Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. I have a wonderful guest for you today. Hello, Amy Nelson. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I'm so excited to talk to you. You were one of the last people I saw, actually, before the world shut down. It was Dad 2 Summit, uh, February 2020, and that was one of the last people things I did. So I'm imagining your face from that time while I'm talking <laughs> to you right now. Isn't that wild? It feels, it feels like a different life, doesn't it? It really does. Well, I will briefly say Amy Nelson is a community builder, a mom of four, founder of The Riveter, a modern union of women and allies striving for equity of opportunity for all, and also co-host of the podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy, where you you have just amazing guests and storytelling happening. So it's just so wonderful. And Amy, I immediately thought of you and invited you to be on for this episode after receiving a listener letter. So I would just like to read that aloud. And then I want to dig in with some questions with you if you're game. I'm game. Let's do it. Okay. This listener had a question about compartmentalizing remote work. And they said, I'm curious if you chose to pivot to working remotely full-time, either for a company or as an independent consultant, how do you establish boundaries so you don't feel overwhelmed by working where you live all the time? When I work from home, I feel like the untidiness others create bothers me and I get distracted decluttering. So I feel calm and focused enough to do work. And then the kids know I'm home and find me for things. Being the human stress absorber is exhausting. (laughs) So, yeah, right? I mean, we all feel this right now. Mm -hmm. So actually, my first question for you, because it is 100% relevant to today's conversation, is I actually wanted to wind back a little and ask you to share what the Riveter looked like pre-pandemic and then how you pivoted to what it looks like now. And I'm actually a little curious about you know, what's the best thing about that? And what's the worst thing about that following the pivot? So before the pandemic, um, I started the Riveter in 2017. I'd been a lawyer for a decade. 
And after I became a mother, uh, started asking a lot of questions about women in the workplace, about women in the law and where they were in senior positions because they really weren't there. And so I built the Riveter to create a community and a space for women who wanted to work on their own, whether that was as freelancers or consultants, small business owners, or people who wanted to build really big businesses like I did. Um, And the Riveter, before the pandemic, we had co-working spaces, Mm -hmm. we had programming and skills trainings, and we had community. Um, What that looked like in real life is that I ended up uh, with a corporate headquarters in Seattle where we had... Um, I think we had probably 75 people working at our corporate headquarters every day. Um, that was about a 10 to 15 minute drive from my house. Um, and then we had 11 co-working spaces across the country in six states where we had another 75 people working and where we had about 15,000 members who were using our spaces and wow. our resources. I don't so think I big. realized it was, it was that big. big. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it was very big. And it was a wild ride because it went from an idea that in under three years. This is what we do. Yeah. Okay. This <laughs> <laughs> is what we do. Um, it is what we do. And today the Riveter looks completely different. When the pandemic started or when it, I think when we acknowledged the pandemic in March of 2020 in America, um, you know, we kind of immediately lost 90% of our revenue in 24 hours because mm-hmm. I stopped charging our members. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was fair to charge women who couldn't use our spaces. Um, and so we had a very long process of unwinding the original business, um, which meant getting out of 15 year leases across the country, oh, wow. very big spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this existential question of who are we if we aren't these physical spaces? And um, it took a long time to answer that question. And we are now just relaunching our spaces business in a different way where we are partnering with hotels across the country to allow our Riveter members to use their lobbies and conference rooms and get food and beverage discounts. But it's more of a touchdown space where we say, we recognize you work at home mostly now, but you do need to get out. You do need a different place to Mm -hmm. hold meetings, to to get together, or just to escape your kids or for sanity. Um, And so it looks different for our members because our co-working memberships um, were priced between I think $199 up to $5,000 a month if you had a big fancy office. And now our membership is just $25 a month. It's easy. It's flexible. Um, and then we have moved all of, for now, our events and our skills training are all online for our community. Um, but we are bringing back in real life programming in the fall, which is very exciting. Um, and then for me, you know, we no longer have a corporate headquarters. I no longer have 150 employees. I mean, this has been a very big, slow pivot. Um, And so we're a team of about five right now, but we are scaling back up. We actually are um, closing an investment round, which is really exciting. Congratulations. Um, Yeah. Thank you. That's amazing. Building the team. And I now no longer live in Seattle. I live in Ohio. I work at home. (laughs) And uh, so it looks quite different. And I, I, I do have four little girls who are seven, six, four, and two. So I very much understand the pain of working at home with small children. That is simply incredible. And I have to say, I think it's a genius pivot because when I think about, I actually have work travel that I was supposed to be on this week that, as you know, got canceled due to a COVID mm-hmm. outbreak. Outbreak, And I got to tell you, I was looking forward to two nights alone in a hotel. So yeah. <laughs> yes, I, th- I say you to your are. members, yeah. book a room while you're also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Consider and we, do, it. and we are with some of our hotel partners. We do have discounted hotel rooms, which yeah. is great. It's genius. It's absolutely genius. Well. 
I think you know that I pretty much, because we uh, follow each other on social and chit chat, and I pretty much view everything through the lens of ramifications of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there have has recently been some pretty lively conversation on this on my feed, especially because I've been posting about the burden on and the shaming towards moms who have work commitments. I'll link up that Instagram post in the show notes. But when I read this letter and when I reached out to you, I said that I felt like this struggle to compartmentalize is yet another example of a women's issue. And Mm -hmm. I'm just super curious about what you think about this. If you think compartmentalization is a women's issue, no offense if you disagree with me, (laughs) but I'd love to hear your thoughts as, you know, just a leader in this space. So I'm not a behavioral scientist, but in my lived experience, it is a women's issue, at least in in my home and with my friends and in my small sample set of the world. Um, I, I preface this by saying my husband does a lot and we both play to our strengths and my strength, unfortunately, is part of the mental load of our lives and Mm -hmm. our kids activities and and things like that. Um, And so it is something I have to think about all the time. How am I compartmentalizing? How am I getting it done? I mean, my day to this point is a prime example. I got up early and I did an hour of work before the kids got up because my brain works the best early in the morning. And then I helped my husband a little bit this morning. He usually takes the morning, the the brunt of the work with the four kids of getting them dressed. But this morning I played with two of my kids for a half hour um, because they were miraculously ready for daycare early. Um, And then as soon as he took them to school, I spent 30 minutes um, cleaning out um, expired food from the fridge because it's trash day and then ordering groceries. And then I pivoted to work again. Um, and I've had to become like very adept at those different pivots, mm-hmm. but I mean, the mental load is real, right? Mm-hmm. Like a summer's coming up and for any parent, mm-hmm. and I, I do think it is women, largely mothers doing this, like figuring out the summer puzzle is a job. It's a, it's a, a job and then executing on it is a job. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our patterns are actually very similar. I get up early in work and you, well, you met my husband and actually your husband, my husband and I all mm-hmm. were on a panel together at that dad to summit. But he, he is also super invested in and involved, and I'm super grateful to that. And yet, you know, I still feel yep. like a lot of, of that labor is real. And since you mentioned summer, envision, you know, like the cartoon uh, image of somebody going down a roller coaster with their hands over their eyes. That's basically me when it comes to summer. <laughs> I mean, complete and utter, utter denial. Yeah, I so I was sort of in denial about it this year. I like uh, luckily my two younger girls can stay at the early learning center, which is amazing. Perfect. But the older girls, I I just like I I was I it's like a mix of camps and swim team, and then I wasn't going to hire any help. And I realized like I I need to work, so I need help. Mm. (laughs) Like I need help driving them places. Yes, you know it's like it's just anyway. Yeah, all little pieces. Well, we're going to talk more about compartmentalization tactics, and we're going to do that after a quick break. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. 
They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages 6 and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Hello, friends. Welcome back. We're talking to the wonderful Amy Nelson. Let's get into tactics. One of my very favorite things, and it's something that Edit Your Life listeners love. So, Amy, I would love to hear how you would advise this listener about the distraction of decluttering during work hours. So I think there's two pieces to it. I think there's mental decluttering and physical decluttering. And they're both important, but I think it's important to recognize that they're separate things. So mm-hmm. I'll start with the physical decluttering, and I will admit to you that physical clutter doesn't bother me. <laughs> someone it bothers, so I respect it. I respect it. I mean, my husband will. It's actually like it's a big issue in our house. My husband will have to clean before he can work because he cannot mm-hmm. work in a cluttered space. Mm-hmm. With me, I could have 17 toys around me, doors open, and I don't see it. Mm-hmm. Great that I'm in the physical space business, I guess. Um, but I, you know, I think. What my husband does and the way we've arranged things is he has, we have turned like a, what is supposed to be a spare bedroom into his office. And so to him, I say that room needs to be decluttered, go in the decluttered room, because if you try to declutter the entire house, you will not work. Yep. So go into a physical space that's small, that is not super hard to keep clean and declutter. And that's your space. And so I think if you can, And I know this doesn't work in everyone's home. I have so many friends who live in apartments in cities and this is really hard, but maybe just creating one space that you can keep decluttered or declutter easily on a daily basis. And that can handle the physical part. And then you just have to shut off the rest of the house. Yeah, I agree with that. I have my office and I just am like, this is going to be my quiet place (laughs) or my like Mm -hmm. clean place and everything else I just got to let go during the day. So that makes a lot of sense. And I love that you pointed out small spaces too. So even if it's just a small desk, that Mm -hmm. can make a world of difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's really important because I mean, I get it for some people, like you need a very decluttered, clean space. So that makes sense. Yeah. Then there's the mental clutter, (laughs) which is I find really hard. Um, 
because the world is full of distractions, even if you are in a shut off room because of the World Wide Web and just the way our brains work. And so the way that I have managed this now that I work from home um, is that I separate my work into pieces. And I'm also going to say something that I think is really important for everyone in the world to just hold on to. We are all different people than we were two years ago, Mm. and we can get different Mm -hmm. things done. I cannot get done what I got done two years ago. Mm -hmm. I I could beat myself up about it a hundred times, but I'm just not going to. I'm somebody else. I'm living a different life. And my expectations for myself are different, and that's okay. And so I just think that piece of it is important. Um, That's huge. Thank you for raising that. Yeah. Like maybe we'll all get back to who we were, but maybe we won't. I don't know. Um, But so what I do now is I break my work up into um, different chunks and I limit them. And if I go beyond with the limits I've set, I'm so proud of myself. If I meet them, that's great. Um, But I've built these limits and these pieces into things that I feel I can do in a day. So I try not to do more than two hours of meeting or talking with people in a day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. I will say like in the before world, I feel like I just had meeting after meeting after meeting and it's exhausting. And I think very unproductive at the end of the day, if you're just, you know, talking to people or attending meetings all day. Um, And so I think that's, you know, kind of a piece of it. It then also forces me into like, what is the highest and best use of talking to people? And so if you divide up your day intentionally, you force yourself to figure out what is most important mm-hmm. and has the highest benefit for your work. So I think that's important. It's so important. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a big one. And then the other thing I do is I write down five things a day I need to get done. It's mm-hmm. five doesn't sound like a lot. And like, honestly, sometimes I cheat and I'm like, I need to um, write a thank you email. And I'm like, that is the smallest thing on earth. But like, if it's important for my business, and it, even if it takes me five minutes, it's one of the five things I'm doing. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a small list of things. And I just focus on that small list and kind of crank through it and stay centered on the list. And I think that's really important. Um, and then I, I think the, one of, the final piece of, of advice I would give is I have decided that my mental load for my family is part of my job. And I, I do it mm-hmm. during the workday because it is work. I'm not being paid for it, but like it's work. And so it's part of my workday. It's not part of my downtime. It's not part of my time with my kids. It's part of my work. And so um, I create, I have a, we have a weekly Google Doc that I have access to, my husband has access to, and my parents have access to because they help us a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and in it, it's all the kids' activities or things they need for school my thoughts on who is taking who places, who's staying home with, you know, the other people that aren't going places. And then I put in um, the dinner plan Uh for each night. And so like that is just kind of a, it's our family document that keeps us alive and that we know where everything is and what's happening. That's amazing. I was actually going to follow up to ask you if you were using, you know, with four kids, it's it's a lot of moving pieces. Mm -hmm. So the Google Doc is your organizing structure. For your five daily list, are you a paper person or are you an app person? Well, so I love paper and I wish I could do paper, but I have a bunch of people who need to see this document. So we just use the Google Doc. Um, My parents struggle with the app. I love them. They're amazing, but they struggle with the app. So like this (laughs) Google Doc makes sense to everyone. (laughs) Like Everyone has figured out how to use it. 
So I, I really, I mean, you just, you have to use whatever works for the group of people you're working with. Listen, so, I get it. The ongoing joke that listeners have heard, I'm sure repeatedly, if they've been here a while, is that John, my husband, is the one person who will refuse to accept my calendar invites. Like I sometimes <laughs> I still send them just as a joke, but I know he'll never accept them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, no, I mean, I'm with you, Christine. I have, a, I put everything on my Google calendar, but like, yeah. it does not work for the other people I'm dealing yeah. with. It doesn't work for my parents. It doesn't work for Carl. So the Google Doc works. Yeah, I think that's great. And I just want to go back and underline the thing you said, because I think this is huge, about basically embracing the fact that these different family moving pieces, this is our life. This is our work. And mm-hmm. it has to be. I mean, things like scheduling doctor's appointments, that's not those places aren't open in the evening after you've finished all the other things that you need to do. So mm-hmm. I think that reframe is really an important part of this story because I think it's just not something that's talked about a ton. So I'm mm-hmm. super happy you brought that up. Not surprised that you issued that issued that bit of genius. And so thank you. <laughs> well, I, I mean, think it's yeah. It's like it is. We talk about it, about about how we carry the unpaid labor load and we do. But like, okay, so we do. So how do you make it work? Mm -hmm. Right. I just, you know, it's one of those, you know, I've been inundated over the past two years with these horrible stories about what the pandemic has done to working women. Mm -hmm. And I agree and it's wrong, but I'm not a policymaker and I can't change those things. So what can I do? Right. And that's, you know, that's how I think about my whole business. What can the Riveter do to help people make money? in the world that exists right now. And maybe we change it along the way, but I, I do think, you know, listen, if my husband's on this Google doc every day, looking at it, he's starting to take the mental load, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like this, this is how we, this is how we pull people into our worlds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We actually have a very, this is another thing I've talked about and I'll, I'm going to link in the show notes, a couple of great episodes around like family planning organization, uh, family planning in the organizational sense. Um, but we use a really old school poster board calendar on our, in our kitchen to keep track of mm. what everybody's doing. And it's, it's just, it's that way. I'm not the gatekeeper anymore. I'm tired of being the gatekeeper for all the information and, and it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning. 
where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Okay, my next question for you, you have four little kids, so I imagine you can relate to the kids seeking you out when you're working. Do you have an effective tactic or two for setting boundaries with them? Obviously, this is going to be super important as we move into summer, so just wanted to get your thoughts there. Yes. So, I mean, to be honest, my littlest is two. So there's really nothing I can do to there's explain no to her that yes. I'm working. Understood. Um, and I, like, and I, I mean, and I just acknowledge that, right? Like I, you know, it's why she's in an early learning center and I don't have a nanny in our house, right? Like it's because I'm mm-hmm. here now. Mm-hmm. Before the pandemic, we had an amazing nanny, but I wasn't working at home. Mm-hmm. Those two things couldn't really work very well for me. Um, but with the older kids, the best approach I have found is I, and I think this is like, this is part of my global way of like the decisions I'm making, raising my daughters is with my older kids. I talk about work a lot and if they understand what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and that I get joy from it, they don't really bother me about it. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. um, I was raised that way. My mother worked, she loved her work and she told me about her work and let me see it. And so it was something I understood. Um, so, you know, with my older kids, you know, they know I have a podcast and they wander in when I'm doing the podcast, but that's fine. They know when I have my, you know, they know when I'm in here doing a podcast, they've heard me um, do my podcast. And so they know what I'm doing. So they can come in, but they know they have to be quiet. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't make them not be in here. They can come in, but, but they need to be quiet. Or, you know, if they need me, um, I often give time frames. I'm said, I'll say, I'm working on this document for a partner and I will be able to come talk to you and help you or answer your question in 12 minutes. I make up random times that seem very specific (laughs) (laughs) because it makes it seem like I'm like, okay, 12 minutes, just need 12. And then I can go help them for five minutes and then say, I need to go back. I'm able to do that. I'm able to context switch on a dime so I can do that. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people can't. It's the way my brain works. Um, But I think, you know, just letting them know what I'm doing and what I'm doing isn't taking me away from them in a bad way. I also mm-hmm. talk to them about money. Like, mm-hmm. Mommy makes money, mm-hmm. right? Like mommy makes money so we can have a place to live. So we can, you know, I, cause I, it's, I'm on this um, big kick that we need to teach kids about money early on. I'm obsessed um, with it. I, it's ridiculous that they know nothing about it. it. There's no financial I mean, literacy in school. <laughs> it's so crazy. So anyway, so I talk about money a lot and um, they know that part of the reason I work is to make money for our family. Um, so I think just for me, it's like inundating them with information. And listen, like my four-year-old gets it. She knows mm-hmm. we work to make money. She knows what mommy's job is. She knows money buys her toys. Mm-hmm. That's the thing she's obsessed with. <laughs> um, you know, she doesn't really know, like she couldn't, you know, understand a dollar or a, a, those pieces, but she doesn't need to right now. The yeah. broad strokes mm-hmm. help her understand what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I'll say is that if I if I really need them to leave me alone, if something is happening that is super important, like for example... I have a board meeting 
every six weeks with my board. And it's important to me to be able to focus during that time to be present and to not be interrupted. So I schedule it for a time when the kids are not home, they're at school, or I can ask my husband to take them to a park mm-hmm. or I go over to my parents' house. I mean, I find a way for things that are really important yeah. to separate myself physically. And, and that could be taking a walk. It can be sitting in your car. I mean, things are not perfect right now for any of us. So like finding those, those hacks, it's horrible, but you have to do it sometimes. Yeah. I think that's great. And I wanted to also toss in the recommendation that sometimes it's, I feel like kids have great ideas. And so early on in the pandemic, when we were trying to figure out how to all be at home and do things at home and not get interrupted, um, I asked my youngest, what would, what would make it clearest when I'm not available to you? And Mm. she said, well, how would I make you a thing for your front door. And it's these like five slots. One says something like on a live broadcast, don't come in, you know, working could use a hug. There, there are five options and there's a little hamster that I can move around. And so <laughs> to indicate the status of when my door is closed, like whether somebody can actually come through or not. And mm-hmm. that was like, it was so cute. It was at a level she could understand and what really worked for her brain. And it solved a ton of problems in the meanwhile. So sometimes just like, ask your kids and they might have a creative solution for what's, you know, how to solve the problem. I love it. I think that's really smart. I think that's very, very smart. Yeah. Moving the hamster. All right. Mm -hmm. Another question for you. You talked a bit earlier about the, the five things list, but I'd like to zoom out a little bit and hear if you have bigger picture strategies for how you might map out a week or if you do a month look ahead or even a quarter, mostly because Every now and then, a work-from-home day will just go completely awry for whatever unforeseen reason. And I'm wondering if you build in any kind of buffers or something in your planning so that a day like that won't be a complete disaster. I do, actually. So um, when I look at broader picture projects that I'm working on, I can give a specific example. So we're hosting a summit in October in New York, and I'm working to find partners for the summit. And so... The first step of that was building a big spreadsheet of potential partners. And then I have two colleagues I'm working with this on. So, you know, say we have a list of 300 partners. I divided it by three and then divided it by 20 to figure out how many weeks we needed to reach out to every partner. Mm. And let me tell you why I um, said 20 is that our goal and what I do, one of my five things is to reach out to five partners a day. And so instead of saying 25 for the week, I said 20 because I assume one day something will happen where I can't reach out to ah, five people. Yes. Very smart. Because otherwise, if I miss a day, then I'm like, okay, it's 10 people the next day and it piles up on itself. And so just giving myself, um, if I have a mathematical problem <laughs> where I need to divide things up, mm-hmm. I give myself a buffer day where I'm not working. Um, so I think that like giving yourself like pre-planning for the failure is better than dealing with it after the fact. Exactly. And then if there are no failures, then you've got, look at that. You've got some extra time to either do nothing or advance, do something. So I think that's great. Okay, Amy. Well, I have one last question for you. And at the end of each show, I ask listeners to share what is called your next edit. It's a super actionable tip that listeners can consider doing right away after they finish listening. So in the context of our conversation today, I would love for you to share your next edit for this episode. 
The next edit for this for me, the next edit for me is to clean out my closet to simplify my choices. I like it. <laughs> we, I, I'm with you. I'm actually in a, in, in a continual stage of closet decluttering because I just want less to look at. Yeah, I do. Well, the other thing is like my wardrobe is different today than it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be honest. Most of my work dresses are my children's play dresses at this point. Like, that's <laughs> probably just the, what it's going to be. Yeah. So um, I'm more into like nap dresses and <laughs> things like that. Yes, I love it. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. This has just been a delight to connect with you. And I, I just, um, I love following along with you online and I'm just sending you and your family so much love always. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. Okay, friends, you will find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.